um, if you would say this out loud with me. Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit, that as the scriptures are read and your word is proclaimed, we may hear with joy what you say to us today. Amen. Luke chapter 10, chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. A legal expert stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to gain eternal life? Jesus replied, what is written in the law? How do you interpret it? He responded, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your being, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said to him, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But the legal expert wanted to prove that he was right, so he said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, a man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. He encountered thieves who stripped him naked, beat him up, and left him near death. Now, it just so happened that a priest was also going down the same road when he saw the injured man. He crossed over to the other side of the road and went on his way. Likewise, a Levite came by that spot and saw the injured man and crossed over to the other side of the road and went on his way. A Samaritan who was on the journey came to where the man was, but when he saw him, he moved with compassion. The Samaritan went to him and bandaged his room, tending to them with oil and wine. Then he placed a wounded man on his own donkey and took them to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took two days worth, two full days worth of wages and gave them to the innkeeper. He said, take care of him, and when I return, I will pay you back for any additional costs. What do you think, which one of these three was a neighbor to the man who encountered thieves. Then the legal expert said, the one who demonstrated mercy towards him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. This is the Lord of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Um, We have been talking uh, through a sermon series called Abundant Love, learning God's heartbeat. What is, how does, um, How do we understand God's heart? So we talked about abundant love. We talked about God's grace. Um, And today we have to, um, we're talking about a a new word, compassion. Um, So our text today comes from from Luke, and it's one of those famous passages that pastors love to preach on. Um, One of my favorite sermons, uh, Martin Luther King had a sermon on this passage uh, talking about maybe we should add lights to the Jericho Road, right? So um, moving from compassion to justice, um, he talked about. But this, this is one of those verses, um, it, it, it resonates, I think, because we've all been in class um, with a know-it-all who asked the teacher way too many questions, um, like the person in this book. Um, and anybody who's ever been in a class with me, I know they've been in a class with a know-it-all because I was that kid um, that asked way too many questions and had to try to figure out what the teacher was talking about. But at the end of this passage, here's what I want to focus on today. At the end of this passage, um, towards the end of the story, Jesus says, and the Samaritan came um, upon the man who had been been, uh, attacked by robbers, and he was moved with pity or moved by compassion, and he helped him. And the the Greek word there is what I want to focus on today. The Greek word right there um, 
So first, I want to take a, a, a pause and say that I'm, I'm asking for grace. I'm on the front end of this as I try to pronounce some Greek and Hebrew words today. Um, <laughs> so, but the Greek word there is splonknitz oimai. Splonknitz oimai. Um, and that Greek word is significant because it is one of the Greek words um, that it's often translated in the, when the Old Testament is translated in Greek, it's always translated God's compassion. And we want to talk about this today because um, God, Jesus uses this word over and over again in the Gospels. Um, the Gospel writers have Jesus talking about how he was moved by compassion. So if you turn to Luke chapter 7, verse 13, um, when uh, Jesus comes upon a woman whose son who was a widow and her only son has died and they're carrying the body to be buried. And Jesus comes into the town and sees this woman. And the Bible says that he was moved with compassion for her. And he came to her and said, uh, don't weep. And he, she, he causes her son to rise. Right. Um, Jesus, over and over again, we're told that the miracles happen because he's moved by compassion. And when you read this passage, it's easy to think that that's sort of a throwaway. But I want to today, I'm just going to talk to you for a few minutes, right, about why this is not a throwaway word, why this, this word is so significant. So in the, in the New Testament, there's two words that sort of mean the, the same thing. Um, uh, Stoichnemos um, is a word that is another Greek word that means the same thing, moved by compassion. Um, and the way the difference is in the, the gospel writers all use um, this Greek word that I, that I said, the word I said the first time, they all use that. Paul uses a, a different word, and you can think about it like um, if I was, when I'm talking about my friends, I say I'm, I felt for them. But if I was writing a paper in class, I'd say I empathize with them, right? It means the same thing, but Paul is sort of a technical person. He writes, he's a, 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 a trained in rhetoric, and so he talks a little different. But both of these words mean the same thing, to be moved by compassion. Paul tells people in the church that they need to be moved by compassion for their fellow man. The reason this is significant is because when the Bible, um, the Old Testament is translated in Greek, it's the word that they use for the, the Hebrew word, um, rokmah, rokmah, um, the Hebrew word for compassion. This, this Hebrew word is found in many places in the Hebrew Bible, but uh, we're going to go all the way back to the Exodus narrative because in Exodus chapter 34, verse 6, we're told that this word, rokmah, rokmahim, is the word that is, um, God identifies with. It's core to God's nature. God says, I am a God of compassion. And the reason it comes up is because um, if you know the, 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 the story of the Exodus, um, then you know that uh, Moses came and he said, let my people go, right? And as they were traveling through the wilderness, they came upon a mountain and Moses went on the mountain uh, to receive the, the law from God. And God wrote the laws on these two stone tablets. Um, but the, the King James Version says that Moses tarried on the mountain. And what, that word, what it means is it took him a long time. And the people got tired of waiting and they melted gold and they created their, a calf, right? And they started worshiping the calf. And when Moses came down, he broke the tablets. He destroyed the tablets um, in his anger at the people. And a few chapters later, God restores the people, right? 
And he sends Moses back up to the mountain to get a new set of tablets. Um, God does a rewrite. And at the rewrite in, Mo, in, in Exodus chapter 34, verse 6, as he starts that rewrite, he says, first things first. The first thing my people need to know about me is that I am a God of compassion. I'm slow to anger, filled of st- with steadfasting, unfailing love for my people. I'm a God of compassion. And, and throughout the Old Testament, over and over again, God identifies as a God of compassion. Um, we, we can see this in, in, in the Psalms over and over again in the Psalms. Um, Psalm uh, 103, Psalm 118, God says, I am a God of compassion. And um, even if you remember the story of Jonah, remember Jonah? At the end of the book of Jonah, Jonah, when, when God forgives the city of Nineveh, Jonah in Jonah chapter 4, verse 2, he says, this is why I didn't want to come here, because you are a God of compassion, slow to anger, and filled with unfailing love for people. I knew this was how you would act. If they would repent, you would forgive them. I know this because you are a God of compassion. Jonah is upset with God because he knows who God is. If we're going to be a people who understand God's love, you have to understand that God's heart beats with compassion. God is filled with compassion. Um, and, I, and there's two basic uh, principles to biblical compassion that you have to get it, that you have to understand. The, the first basic principle of biblical compassion is that it's not just an emotion. It's not just how you feel about people. Um, we often talk about emotions like our heart, um, you, you can see I use the, the sort of um, picture heart, right? Um, but in the Bible, the word, it's actually not connected to your heart, but to your gut. Um, the, the word, the Greek word for compassion and the Hebrew word for compassion both come from a root word that has to do with your stomach. Right? So when you're moved by compassion, what it's saying is this is something that touches your core. And the first thing is that when you're moved by compassion, it, it, it's in the word, right? You're moved. Compassion is about action. This is the part that we often get. Compassion is about action. Being moved by compassion is when you feel something for someone else and then it causes you to move, to do something. I want to give you an example. <clears throat> you all know I have, uh, most of you know, some of you don't. I have three daughters. Uh, my oldest daughter is 10 years old. She doesn't like to play with me as much anymore. Um, she, she thinks she's too big and too grown. But my younger two daughters is seven and four, and they love for me to throw them up in the air. Playing with daddy is different than playing with my, with, with my wife, right? Um, my wife is not smiling right now because she does not like it when I throw them in the air. But they do, um, and that's important. Um, they love when I throw them in the air. And um, let me, an example of being moved by compassion, my youngest daughter, when I'm throwing them up in the air, my middle daughter will sometimes, um, she gets afraid, she says, ah, daddy, put me down. And whenever that happens, my little four-year-old daughter runs up under me to grab and catch her sister because she's moved by compassion, right? When she hears her sister scream, she can't do it. It's just in her nature to come and want to protect her. I will save you. And I always look at her. Uh, my, my older daughter outweighs her by about 20 pounds. And I'm like, I don't know how you think you can catch her, right? But she's like, I am going to do something because my sister is in need. 
If you want to, the first part of that Greek word, if you think about being moved by compassion, it's the compulsion to help someone else. God is, we're told over and over again that God is um, filled with compassion and it causes God to move. In the Exodus story, God hears the cry of the people in, um, in slavery, in oppression in Egypt, and he call, it says that God is moved by compassion for his people and he comes to their rescue. Throughout the Old Testament, we're told that God is moved by compassion um, when the nations attack his people in the book of Judges, and so he rescues his people. Compassion is about the movement of God. It's not just about uh, an emotion. It's about how we move towards other people. Second part, compassion is about being with people. This is harder for us to understand. Compassion is about where our presence is. Um, so, so we go, go back to the ex Exodus narrative. Um, it's, it's not just about um, kind of saving the day. We, we, we often think about compassion and we love the part that, you know, it means rescuing, saving the day, doing something that fixes the situation. Um, uh, men, I'm told, unfortunately, fortunately, however you look at it, um, this is um, often my problem, right? My wife tells me she has a problem and I say, okay, how do I fix it? I don't want to listen to it. I need to, how do I change it? How do I fix the situation, right? So we get that part, but compassion is also about being with someone. In the Old Testament, in that Exodus story, when God is moved by compassion, what he does, he promises to be with his people. In the Exodus story, he says, um, he, um, as they leave Egypt, he says to Moses that I will guide you as a pillar, of, a cloud of fi uh, as a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And when they build the tabernacle, he says that I will rest in the tabernacle so that I will be with my people. The promise over and over again is that I am going to be with you. So when you're going through suffering, when you're struggling, I am I'm with you. Here's a way of thinking about being present with someone. Um, I happen to be an 80s child, and um, as a child of the 80s, I grew up during um, the AIDS epidemic um, when, when, when everyone was very scared. And I remember, I was thinking about this idea of compassion, and I remembered a, a movie that I watched when I was a little kid. It was uh, the movie that was about this little boy who had HIV um, because of a blood transfusion. Um, and his, he, they, at the beginning of the movie, he's playing with his friends, and he carries a little fanny pack with band-aids and bandages in case he gets a cut or something while he's out playing. And his friends don't know why he does this, right? They don't know that he, he has HIV. Um, and he gets sick in the movie, and they, his friends come over, and, and they find out that he, his mom tells his, his friends why he's sick. Um, the parents find out that he has HIV, and that's why he's, why he's sick. And he, he recovers, he gets better. And, but he's worried. He's like, now my friends, now they're not going to want to play with me. And two of his friends, these two boys, um, they, they talk about uh, uh, Daredevil, the, the comic book hero, and, and they're always hanging out with each other. And when he gets better, they come over to his house. Um, and, and these little boys, they can't fix the situation. They can't make him not have HIV. They, can't, they don't know about what medications he needs to take. They can't fix the situation. But what they do what they do instead is they come over and they have little fanny packs on with Band-Aids, right? 
He did, you, I can't fix the situation, but I can be with you in the situation. The little boys are with their friend. They, they won't let him go through it alone. And so when he whips out a Band-Aid, they have Band-Aids too, and they can just be kind of little to Band-Aid crew because I am going to be with you. In the, new t- in, the, in the Bible, God's compassion compels God to be with his people. And in, in the New Testament, we're told because Jesus is moved by compassion, um, Jesus goes to be with people. And in the story that I told you today, the man, if you notice what happens in the story, the Levite and the priest see the man and they move away from the person, right? They, they see the person and they, it says they move to the other side of the road. Sometimes when, you, when we are, don't have compassion, this is what we want to do. We either, if we can't fix the situation, we want to ignore it, pretend like it does not exist. But the Samaritan in the story, because he is moved by compassion, he moves towards the person who has been hurt. He spends time with them to, to, to heal him, yes, but, but the first step is to move towards um, the person. Um, Henry Nouwen is a, a famous theologian. And he talks about, he has a a thing about compassion. He says, "Let, let us not underestimate how hard it is to be compassionate. Compassion is hard because it requires the inner disposition to be with others. To the place where they are weak, vulnerable, lonely, and broken. But this is not our, our, our spontaneous response to suffering. We desire most to do away with suffering by fleeing from it or finding a quick cure for it. As busy and active, relevant people, we want to earn our bread by making a real contribution. This means first and foremost doing something to show that our presence makes a difference. And so we ignore our greatest gift, which is our ability to enter into solidarity with those who suffer. Those who can sit with their fellow man, not knowing what to say, but knowing that they should be there, can bring new life into a dying heart. I love the way he talks about that. When you can sit with your fellow man, you can bring new life into a dying heart. Um, Our our tendency is to, to flee from suffering. And he says that the call of Jesus is to move towards the suffering to move towards the people who are weak or vulnerable, to move into the broken places. I talk about this all the time, but in John chapter 1, the Bible tells us that the reason for Jesus' existence is because God came and dwelt with people. The word became flesh and lived among us. And in the book of Colossians, Paul says that Jesus Jesus came to dwell with the people. This is the purpose of Christ. That God indwelled, that God lived with those who suffered. This is our calling. I've talked about this before, but um, an exa- a classic example of this um, and for me is the story about um, Homeboy Industries. I've talked about Gregory Boyle as a pastor of Homeboy Industries, and he has this giant gang ministry. They, they minister to a uh, gang rehabilitation program, the largest in the world. But where it started, in reading his books, where it started, um, he was a priest at a local church, right? A Dolores Street mission. 
And, and if you know anything about L.A., L.A. is the gang capital of the world where Dolores Street Missions is. And his little community, there was about uh, 20 or 30 street gangs around their community, around that church. And he talks about in the early days how um, people either they lived in fear in their neighborhood. So there was either fear or anger. Right. Um, people either stayed in their house and tried to pretend like they just wanted to ignore all of the broken places or people were angry and they wanted to kick them out and those bad people and why. And what with Dolores Street missions, what they started to realize with this, those people were not those people. They were our people. Those kids in that gang were not just those kids. They were our kids. They were our nephews, our uncles, our cousins. These are our people. And that meant the whole difference in the world for that, for that church. And the whole reason that ministry sprang up is because they decided, instead of thinking about being away from people, they decided to be with the gang members. And thousands and thousands of people have come out of gangs and, and come off of drugs and had their lives changed and come to Christ. All because people, because they decided instead of being those people, they wanted to be with people. This is our greatest calling as believers. Over, over again in the Bible, if you want to check the heartbeat um, the heart health of a community, right? If when God tests the, the heart health of, uh, of a community, it's about um, he tests the margins. Have you ever heard about marginalized people, uh, the vulnerable, the weak, those who are oppressed, uh, the people who are in need? The widow, the orphan, the alien among you. When, when God, um, if you turn the books of Amos, the book of Micah, when God tests the heart of a community, if he does an echograph or, or EKG on the community and he wants to know where, how is your heart health, it's all about how wide your margins are. If your margins are wide enough that many people are falling in, through, falling through the cracks, then your heart is not healthy. But if your compassion has moved your margins out so that you stand with the people in the margins so that the margins no longer exist in your heart. The heart of the community is healthy. We are called to be with people in the broken places. I think we all have experienced probably some moment when we have had a friend who sat with us when we were crying or when we were hurt who sat with us when we were ill or when we were in need. This is our calling as believers because when we do it, um, the, the text today, Leviticus chapter, chapter uh, 19, verse 18, is where um, the text today where he says, love the neighbor as yourself. It comes from Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18. And Hebrew scholars say um, that what that text means is that, um, um, that they say that it has to do with this compassionate heart of God. Um, because when God gives that commandment to love your neighbor as yourself, he says, for I am God right after that. That's the way he gives the commandment. And the point is that if we want to be in the heart of God, when we, when we want to stand close to God, God stands close with, with the broken. When we love our neighbor as ourself, we are entering into the heart of God. It's the same way, it's the same way if you love my daughter, my daughters, if, you, if my, my daughters love you, if you care for my daughters, then I, you will be right in the center of my heart. 
God is the same kind of father. When you love his people, when you stand with his people, when they are hurt, you find yourself right at the center of God's heart. Because God's heart, because God is a God of compassion, his heart is on the margins. So I invite you today, where are the margins that you might stand in? Where are the broken places that you might go? Pray you think about that this week, amen? Would you bow your heads and pray with me? Merciful God, we thank you for you are a God full of compassion. You are a God full of love and grace and mercy for us, Lord God. And so we pray that we would stand with you in all of the places that you venture. In Jesus' name, amen.